Good morning, Emmanuel. I am so glad to be with you, even though it's on the video. Happy Palm Sunday to all of you. My name is Matt Woodley, one of the priests at Church of the Resurrection, and I miss being with you, but um, greetings from the cathedral. Let's pray before I preach. Lord Jesus, pour out your spirit on us and on the power of your word to intersect with our lives, bring life to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So about uh, a few months ago, actually in December, I preached one of the hardest sermons I've ever preached in my life. Um, on December 12th, my dad, who had just turned 90 years old, died in the middle of the night in his sleep. Um, two years or two weeks later, I was asked to do the sermon at his memorial service, which was a really hard message to give, um, just because it was hard to write it, because I was grieving. Um, I think about this sermon today. This sermon was almost as hard, or maybe even harder um, to write. I had so many versions, so many notebooks, so many notes, but I just couldn't figure out what to say. And I was thinking about, why is this so hard? Um, and the answer was clear, I'm grieving. I'm grieving today on Palm Sunday. Um, I'm grieving as I talk to you because I wanna be with you. I wanna see you. I wanna be with your church family. I'm grieving because Palm Sunday is about joy and celebration and children waving palms and shouting and we have no palms and we have no togetherness and it's just hard. It is real grief. So I was thinking, and so I was working on this sermon, Lord, if I just, maybe if I just had a different gospel text, if I just had a different story, if I had um, a different theme, could you just give me something else? And yet it's Palm Sunday, so I gotta talk about Palm Sunday. And finally, early this week, it kind of clicked and I realized this is exactly the story that we need. This is exactly the vignette of Jesus that we need. And as I was thinking about this Palm Sunday story, there's actually three strands that come together in this story, three facets to this story that are just so relevant for us today. There's the story of suffering in this Palm Sunday passage. There's a story of courage and there's a story of joy. And I just wanna talk about those three strands and how they fit together for this Palm Sunday. So first, there's the story of suffering or I should say the God who meets us in the midst of his, in our suffering. And some of you, you know, this honestly, it hasn't impacted you that much. Um, some of you are suffering greatly. I think all of us are grieving. We look around and there are, we know there are millions of Americans that are suffering. We know that there's millions of people around the globe, especially the poor who are suffering from this pandemic. And as, as, one person said in, in our church family, I was looking at his Facebook feed and he said, this is impossible, exclamation mark. And I think he was referring to this, what we're going through right now is just so painful. So he asked the question, where is God in the midst of this? Um, John Stott, the great British preacher and theologian, he wrote an amazing book called The Cross of Christ. And, and in, in that book, he said that suffering is tolerable as long as we know we're not alone in it. 
And, and he said, sometimes we get the impression that we, when it comes to our relationship with God, we're alone in this. And he said, um, sometimes we imagine that God is like sitting in a uh, lounging or sitting in some kind of celestial deck chair, just sort of chilling out, not caring. And Stott said, the message of Jesus, his, his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection, especially the cross of Jesus, he said, smashes that view of God to smithereens, he said. It just smashes it to smithereens. The gospel story, especially the gospel of Matthew, is so beautiful because, which we have our Palm Sunday text from today, it's so beautiful because it traces this God is with us from the very beginning. So in chapter one, there's that beautiful verse about um, before Jesus was born, and the angel tells Joseph to name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then you follow the story of Matthew, how Jesus, who was without sin, identifies with sinners by being baptized. He is, eats with sinners. He's the friend of sinners. And then we see at the very beginning of this Palm Sunday story, back in chapter 20, Jesus says this, as he's preparing to go into Jerusalem, he says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. Right now he's in Jericho, which is 17 miles away. He says, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man, that's Jesus, will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged and crucified. And he will be raised on the third day. Jesus predicts that there's this, this storm brewing, this dark storm ahead, and he is going to enter into this deep, deep suffering. And he's going to enter into it on our behalf. And then towards the very end of Matthew, there's this incredible verse, which is actually in the Gospel of Matthew, the last thing that Jesus says. So he's on the cross, and in Matthew chapter 27 he cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is Aramaic, his mother tongue. And the eyewitnesses record him saying it in his mother tongue. And that means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Such an incredible verse that God in the flesh, God with us, takes upon himself our sin and not only our sin, um, not only our evil, but also our sorrow and our sickness and our brokenness and our pain and our agony and our loneliness. So you see why John Stott could say, when you really understand what the cross is about, when you really understand who Jesus is and what he's come to do, that he is the God with us, especially in our suffering, how that smashes that view of God in the deck chair to smithereens. And, and John Stott said, he said, there's still a question mark over human suffering. There's still a question mark, like why and how am I going to get through this? But he said, in that question mark, there's also another mark kind of placed right on top of it, and that's the cross. So you think of a big question, and then the cross of Jesus on top of that. And Stott said, he said, I could never believe in God. And I love that. Just stop there. Here's this great theologian. I could never believe in God if or unless... It was for the cross of Christ. He said, how can you believe in a God who doesn't enter into our pain and suffering? Now, we're going to see that Jesus does this voluntarily, especially looking at the next strand of the story, the story of courage. 
So we have a God that suffers with us, but we also have this incredible example and model of courage. I have a friend named Greg, and I was calling him. I called him this week to just see how he's doing. And he said, Matt, I live for times like this. He said, I just come alive. He said, don't get me wrong. This has hurt me financially. I hate to see people suffering. I hate it on one hand, but I feel like I was born for moments like this. And when Greg said that, I like, well, that's a perspective I haven't heard, and that's not the way I feel. But he has a point. I think what he was saying is, this is calling something forth from me. It's calling something out of me. And what is that? It's courage. So I said in uh, chapter 20, the Gospel of Matthew, before we get to our Palm Sunday story, Jesus is 17 miles from Jerusalem. He predicts his own death. And so that whole 17-mile trek from Jericho to Jerusalem and then looking down on Jerusalem from a high point, he knows what he's walking into. He knows exactly what he's walking into. This did not catch him unaware. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, no one makes me take, uh, lay down my life. I lay it down of my own accord. He is the one that initiates this. It is not just a tragedy. Jesus is planning this. Jesus is walking into this. And in verse 5 of chapter 21, when we have the, the triumphal entry, the Palm Sunday story, Jesus quotes the prophet Zechariah and he says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. Now, a donkey was not a, it was a noble animal, but it wasn't a glorious animal. It wasn't a powerful animal. So Jesus, in this, he's intentionally contrasting his interest into, interest into, entrance into Jerusalem with other powerful military political leaders like Alexander the Great, who marched into the city in 332 BC on a war horse, surrounded by escorts, surrounded by an army, or Pilate, who allegedly did the same thing around Jesus's time. So he's intentionally contrasting, I'm coming into this city unarmed. I'm coming into this city without an army. I'm coming into this city vulnerable. That took courage. One of my favorite examples of human courage in this, the gospel story, the story of the passion is this guy named Simon of Cyrene. And, and here's what we know about him in the gospel of Matthew. So chapter 27, verse 32, it says, as they went out, so Jesus is walking with the cross at this point, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry the cross of Jesus. Now, I love that little vignette, just that little one verse, because um, I think a lot of us feel that way right now. Like, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't volunteer for this. I didn't ask for this. I got conscripted against my will. I got drafted into this. And yet, I want to say that the Lord may be calling something forth from you. He may be calling forth courage from you. He may be calling forth not just your courage, but the courage of Christ in you. I was reading a uh, blog post from one of the doctors who works at uh, Kujip Nazarene Hospital in Papua New Guinea. And, and he said, he was talking about how the, the coronavirus has now come to Papua New Guinea and they are 
preparing for a possible storm to break. So they have no or very little personal protection equipment. They don't have ventilators. They've made this makeshift uh, pop-up tent or area where patients can come. And at the end of this, he said, I hope we don't see uh, this virus, this pandemic really come into our hospital and into our village. But he ended with this. He said, but if we do, we will provide the care that we can to those that we can for as long as we can. And when I read that, that just, I just, I just broke. Cause that is, that is courage, friends. That's courage. And God has called that forth. I love what our canon theologian says, uh, Stephen Godier, Father Stephen Godier. He says, courage is not the absence of fear. You can be afraid and you can still act with courage. And that gives me hope. So what is the Lord calling forth from you? Maybe, maybe in really big, dramatic ways for some of you. Maybe you have the resources for that. But maybe for some of you, it's just like, I just got to get through the day. I just got to care for my family. I just got to keep working my job. Or I, I just might be just little things. Ask the Lord Jesus to give you the courage that you need for these days. Palm Sunday is a story of courage. It's also a courage of joy. Or also a story of joy. That's the third strand. So there's suffering, there's courage, and there's joy. And this was my problem as I was getting ready for this sermon. It's like, joy? Like exuberant joy? Why? How? Is that even appropriate in this time? I went to the grocery store last night and I got home and I was in like an emotional wreck from going to the grocery store. I mean, I love going to the grocery store because food and I love preparing it. But this was like, I was just on edge. You know, the young, the young woman that was putting the, the lettuce onto the shelves was like, your, your mouth is too close to the lettuce. I can't buy that lettuce now. I was going down the aisle and there's this other couple coming at me the same way with their cart. And I'm like, I gotta turn around and go the other direction. There was a guy that was helping me with a self-checkout. I'm like, you're too close to me. And I got home and I just like, I put my groceries away and I washed my hands thoroughly for 30 seconds and I sat on a chair and I wept. And I just told the Lord, I can't keep living this way. How long can we keep doing this, Lord? So you ask, or I ask, how can there be joy in a time like this? In the Palm Sunday story, <clears throat> the Palm Sunday that what we call the triumphal entry, which is really the humble triumphal entry, there's only one answer to that. And that is Jesus gives us permission to have joy. Jesus has the authority to say, I want you to have joy even in the midst of your grieving. And I'm convinced that Christians of all the people on this planet should weep the most because we know how broken the world is and we know how this is not the way it's supposed to be. But we should also be the people with the most joy at the same time, if that's possible. So <clears throat> remember I said back in chapter 20, in Jericho, Jesus predicts his own death, this storm that he's walking into. Then he travels into Jerusalem. And then in verse 1 or verse 2 of chapter 21, it says, he says, he talks to two of his disciples and says, go into the village in front of you. 
and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. What is Jesus doing? He is setting up intentionally, pre-planned, a little street theater because he is saying, I'm gonna make a point about who I am. Up to this point in the Gospel of Matthew, he's been a little secretive about who he is. Like he'll do a miracle and say, don't tell anybody, just keep this between us, okay? But now he's saying, I want you to know who I am. The, 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 the secret's gonna come out. The real Jesus, I want you to see who I am. And so he, he gets really clear and then it says that this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, which is a, a famous little saying of, that Matthew uses to say, this is the fulfillment of the Jewish story. This is what's already being told, and this is fulfilling that story. Back in Zechariah 9, let me read the whole verse, because here's the whole verse that Matthew's quoting. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the Jewish people kept that hope alive. And now Jesus is saying with his street theater, that prophecy from Zechariah, here it is. I'm the one you've been waiting for. It really can't get any more clear than that. And at least for this moment, the people get it. Now we criticize this crowd because they may have turned on Jesus later, but maybe that was the same crowd, maybe it wasn't, but they get it now and it's clear. So in verse eight, it says, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So they're taking their one and only jackets they're one and only cloak. They don't have a closet full of them. They just have one of them. They don't have washing machines. They don't have Tide. They just throw it on the dirt and let the, let the animals walk on it, let the crowd rock on it. They don't care because they are in the presence of the king that they have been longing for. And it says even later in this chapter that even the children were especially shouting. And what are they shouting? Verse 9. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna means, Lord, save us. The son of David, that's the one that they were longing for. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now that last phrase, is, that last sentence is, or exclamation is, is the best because Hosanna in the highest, literally translated, it would be something like, save us God in the deepest way. Come, give us your best, God, because we need an unusual salvation. That's what they're shouting. I love that. Isn't that a great prayer for us today? Hosanna in the highest. We need you to do an unusual work of salvation. That's what they're asking for. So I said that there's a shadow of the cross behind this whole story. It's kind of looming. There's a backdrop over the story of Palm Sunday. Why is there so much joy? Well, clearly because Jesus sees another thing up ahead. Not a shadow, but a sunrise. It's the sunrise of the resurrection where there will be another cry, not a cry of agony, 
my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But a cry of triumph. He is blank. He is blank indeed. I can't say it now, but we will. We'll say it on Sunday, right? We will say it on Easter Sunday. And Jesus sees that up ahead, and that's why there's joy. So there's not just a Jesus who suffers with us. That's wonderful. But if that's all he does, then he's just another fellow sufferer. He's a fellow sufferer who has the power and authority to lead us through his suffering, lead us through our suffering into a better place. So I said there's three strands that come together in this story. There's the strand of suffering, the God who suffers with us. There's a strand of courage, the God who gives us courage. And then there's the strand of joy. And they all come together, all three strands. Just think of three strands coming together into one rope, the person of Jesus. So verse 10, the the Palm Sunday story, our reading for this morning, that ends with this verse. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? The word stirred up there literally means to, they were, they were shaken. They were shaking. It's the word used uh, back in Matthew chapter 2 when Herod comes into town threatening to um, kill people. And it's the same um, word that's used at the end of the Gospel of Matthew when, when the guards uh, at the resurrection are shaken. They're shaken. There's like fear to this, and yet there's also hope to this. And Matthew wants us to look. Gospel writer Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wants us to think about that question. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? And I want us to ask today, who is he to me today? Who is he to me? Who is he now to me? See, Nothing about Jesus has changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as a New Testament writer tells us. He's the same. How we experience him in the midst of our suffering and pain and uncertainty, that's different. That's changed. Our world has changed. But he has not changed. And I think in this time of shaking, which, again, I don't like and causes a lot of grief, and my heart is grieving still, but in this time of shaking, there is something, there has been a gift, and that is, it has made me think all over again, who is Jesus to me? Because he's still the same. He's still Emmanuel, God with us. He's still the friend of sinners. He's still the one that eats with us and meets with us. He's still the one that heals the broken. He's still the one that calms the storm. He's still the one that died for our sins. He's still the one that has risen from the grave. And we can experience that today. So my friends, my brothers and sisters at Emmanuel, I want to impart this good news to you, that even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of the pain you feel for others, even in these uncertain days, this is still exactly the story that we need. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.